most companies actually don't respond to their messages. I don't know if you've had this experience. Oh, you email I can a company, imagine. You email a company, you post on their social media, and no one responds to you. Right? Actually, that's the case for most companies because they just don't have enough people. Right? Because people are expensive, yeah. and they take time to train. Yeah. And so that's what we saw. We are bringing these experts, um, super fans, to respond. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Lead the Team Nation. Wow. I've got a fun one in store for you today with Aneto Akankwo, who is the co-founder and CEO of Chatdesk, which is a software and machine learning company in the customer service industry. Now, if you're not familiar with it, Chatdesk actually helps brands scale their customer their customer support efficiently and drive conversions, particularly on social and media channels. Now, the mission of the company is actually to solve a bigger problem, which is customer service and create jobs. Thousands of freelance chat desk experts across the U.S. and around the world actually use the chat desk platform to earn income on demand by providing support for the brands they actually love. Now, now their typical clients are e-commerce and retail brands, uh, Shea Moisture, Thinks, Sets, and more. Chat Desk helps them provide fast and personalized responses to customer questions to drive conversions. And y'all can see where this is going today. This is a topic leaders need to know a lot more about. And now clients are actually able to get up and running in two to three days and typically see 10 to 15% of customer conversions converting to sales while achieving 90%. That's right, 90% customer satisfaction. Do you have 90% customer satisfaction? That's really high. Now back to Anato here. Uh, he's got a seriously robust, cool background leader at Google working on products like voice search and Google Assistant. And then earlier in his career, he went crazy going, working with McKinsey, Microsoft, Goldman Sachs, a litany of uh, of uh, big brands here. He's got a BS and a, and a master's from Stanford University where he was a Mayfield fellow. That is a heck of an intro. Anato, welcome to the show. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, glad you're here. Now, for the listeners, I, I want to make sure they know this is a really special episode because this is our first brother-sister combination. We have siblings, uh, his his sister, Ndidi Akankwo, uh, and her, her last name is Nweli. Am I saying that correctly? Nweli? Nweli. I'm still I'm still working on that. Uh, she got me on the show a couple of times. Go back and check out her episode. She's actually CEO of Changing Narratives Africa. And we talked about food being a, a leadership force of change, which was pretty cool. And I interviewed her. She had a couple of TED Talks out there. And I'm like, she's like, you need to interview my brother. And I'm like, come on. You mean you got a brother who's an executive also? I'm like, the the, the Ivy League credentials and CEOs, I'm like, your family. I'm, and I'd love to hear a little bit about this from your perspective. What's it like having a powerhouse 
sister? I mean, you guys get together a lot and talk about how to change the world. I mean, what what are your conversations with Indeedee like? Yeah, she's an inspiration. I'm very uh, grateful to to follow in her footsteps. Uh, so she she gives me a lot of guidance, but we also talk about her business problems too. And I'm starting to be able to share, you know, some guidance and advice as well. So growing up, what was that like? Was she sort of like motivating you or was she giving you hell or what, what was it like? I think it's just good to have a role model. Uh, so I think she was more of a role model um, in terms of her career and her education and her um, drive and passion for solving problems in the world is actually a big motivator for me in our business. Um, you mentioned one of her TED Talks. Uh, she said, you know, you need to work on problems that make you angry. And mm -hmm. so when we started this business, um, that's one of the areas that I uh, took up on myself. You know, what are the problems that make me angry and that I want to solve in the world? <laughs> wow. Uh, what a story there. Um, you know, there's that Jim Rohn quote that gets done around a lot, that we are the average of the five people that we spend the most time around. And it's used in different ways. And, you know, it sounds like you got a good dose early on. You know, you kind of hit the sibling lottery right there. We were both kind of driving and it's not like she inspired yeah. you. And it's cool that you're able have, to reciprocate it. We have three other siblings. So there's five kids and they're all doing a really impressive and incredible things. So it, it's, it's so all it, around overachievers, I think. So is uh, it, did, how much do you, do you, do you attribute it to like your community, your parents, what you were reading at the time, I mean, what the schooling, what, what was it? Yeah, I think it first comes from the parents. Uh, both of our parents are academics. They're university professors, now retired. So they really put a focus on education mm -hmm. and working hard. And they uh, kind of set us up for success uh, to go to, you know, good schools and to study. Um, and I think those ingredients uh, that you instill in your kids early on, you know, set them up for success later. And, and you, and, and share with the listeners where you grew up just, just so uh, they so know geographically. I'm from the U S and Nigeria. Uh, my mom's from the U S and my dad's from Nigeria, which is in West Africa. Mm -hmm. So I actually spent most of my uh, childhood in Nigeria and came to the U S for college. I think that, you know, going back to, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I think it's interesting for people to kind of understand where the, where our leaders on the show come from and, and that mentality. I think what you discuss at the dinner table as a family growing up, whatever that topic happens to be, I, I really believe shapes the family, shapes a lot of the future of children. Uh, like whether you do talk about bigger problems at the dinner table? Do you talk about money? Do you talk about these key elements? And I think it, I think it, it sort of drives the conversation and your mindset informs you as a child. What, what were the topics that you all discussed at the dinner table? Um, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, we did talk about um, social issues and global issues. Um, but I think more so it was more about uh, what can you give as an individual? How can you serve? Mm. Um, and I think because they're professors, um, being an academic is about giving. It's about research. It's about being a lecturer and training other people. So I think 
even without talking about it, just showing by their example how they chose to live their lives um, shows that that's kind of how they approach things that are, you know, we're only on this planet for a short time. And, you know, what can we bring and what can we give? And, you know, it doesn't have to be at a global scale, but even our own community is very, was very important to them. Wow. I love that. A great distinction. So for the leaders out there, something you can do with your family to help the next generation of leaders. Also, it's important to talk about these kinds of things in your staff meetings uh, because your staff meetings don't all have to be about the here and now. They can have the bigger picture in mind. And I like the idea of kind of thinking of it as a broader dinner table conversation sometimes and, and yeah. to think about you know how your business and how their roles and teams contribute to the bigger picture. All right, so cool. Well, also notice on your group of investors, is Serena Williams one of your investors? Her company? Uh, that's right. So Serena Williams, the the you know champion tennis player. Some people say the greatest of all time. Yes, she, uh, I'm in that court. Yeah, saying that. No pun 23 Grand Slam titles in tennis. She's also a prolific uh, uh, investor. Um, she has a venture fund called Serena Ventures, and I think they uh, just closed an investment fund of over 100 million. And so uh, she, her fund and she invested in Chatdesk. Um, in our most recent round of funding. Uh, so we're very grateful to have, you know, her as a partner and supporter um, in, in what we're building. So did you have to play her on the tennis court to get in, to have her as an investor? Uh, luckily, no. Because <laughs> then I, I would have, I would have lost madly. <laughs> oh yeah, you would have lost. Yeah. We all would have lost. Yeah, no, we had to go through the, uh, regular process that you go through when you raise investment from from a venture capital fund, which is you have to explain your business and talk about the growth potential and how you see the market and the impact you're having on customers um, and how you're going to use the capital um, to reach your next goals. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, her team and herself asked, you know, a lot of really good questions and got the information they needed and they were excited about partnering with us on this journey. So, so did you have to present to Serena Williams? Yes, I, I got, I was grateful to get the opportunity to present. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Go to Serena. And now you know, for the listeners, you, know, you could be listening to this a couple of years from now, but she's about to play her final Grand Slam tournament at the U.S. Open and probably take over the world of business if she's not already. <laughs> but, but she's moving on from tennis. But yeah, probably one of the, one of the finest tennis players ever. So cool. All right. Any any advice for uh, if I happen to run into Serena Williams at some point? Um, uh, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't have any advice on that. No advice. I think, okay. Uh, yeah. Try to get yeah, a picture. When I when I met her, I I said, "Hey, I'm a huge fan. I I got to see you play at the U.S. Open, and it was an amazing experience. And I love the movie. Yeah, that's what I said. But then oh, I yeah. went to talk about the King, business. King uh, Richard. King Richard. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful movie. Beautiful, beautiful movie. I love that movie. Y'all check it out. All right, so let's let's dig in a little bit now. You you mentioned in Didi's one of her TED talks about find a problem that makes you mad, and I'm assuming poor customer service makes you mad, or is that was that one of the inspirations? Yeah, because so you, you're an expert problems, in customer service. There's two mm -hmm. problems that we're solving at our business chat desk. One is. Um, bad customer service. We've all been customers and we've all probably had a bad experience. 
Oh, yes, uh, especially during uh, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But the second problem is actually uh, inequality and jobs. Um, you know, inequality has been rising uh, faster than ever in the U.S. and around the world. Um, and a lot of people need money. A lot of people need jobs. And um, that's a problem that I wanted to solve because I've gotten a lot of opportunities in my life Um and I'm grateful for those. And so I wanted to create a company that could create more opportunities for other people. Yeah. It was interesting just reading the mission of the company. And I was like nodding my head, nodding my head. Okay, customer, customer service. And then I did get to that line about create jobs. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then yeah. um, this, I guess you're, it sounds like your technology platform allows people around the world to get up to speed very quickly and to make an impact in this business on the customer service side. And you mentioned, Hey, you get to do it with your, on your, the brands you love. So not just a bunch of stuff that you don't care about. Uh, what's, what's the scoop today? Is there like a way where they get linked up with brands that they care about? And, um, I'm assuming you got some kind of crazy accelerated training program to get people up to speed. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the reason why customer service creates jobs is because millions of people in the U.S. work in customer service. I think it's over 3 million people. And of course, in some countries, it's a huge industry. It's the type of job that if you're literate and you're motivated and you have internet, you can do it from anywhere. And actually, what we see is the majority of people on our platform are, are women, um, not, not by design. We didn't, we didn't target women. And, and the majority are actually living in non-urban areas. Um, so not, let's say, New York City or Los Angeles. And I think these two things are happening is because um, a lot of these people are, are caregivers. There may be military spouses um, or a lot of them are students. Um, and um, they don't necessarily have a, a full block of time in the day. Maybe they're dropping the kids off of daycare and then they get a few hours spare uh, or, the, or the kids are asleep and so on. So they jump onto the platform. They work on some customer service messages and, and they get paid for that. Um, so that's really how we're creating jobs mm-hmm. is that we're creating opportunities for people to on their phone or on their computer, uh, jump on and work on some messages. I think your question was, well, how does, you know, a particular customer service agent get up to speed so quickly? And that's where our technology comes in. Um, so we have a technology called brand script mm-hmm. where a company can connect their channels, like their social media or their email and our technology can analyze and scan through those conversations and build what we call like a standard response guide. So if a customer asks a question like, do you ship to Canada? We have the answer to that because you've answered those types of questions before. That's the core insight is from mm-hmm. all these brands. The questions are very repetitive. So you're using artificial intelligence or machine learning to analyze the the FAQs that they don't have listed anywhere, but they're looking through the social media script. So you're looking at like their Facebook posts and things like that and how they're all interacting and you're creating this. Exactly. So Facebook posts, Instagram, TikTok now, and also emails, because you mentioned, you know, we help companies to drive conversions. One of the insights is that most companies actually don't respond to their messages. I don't know if you've had this experience. Oh, I can imagine. You email a company, you, you post on their social media and no one responds to you, right? Actually, that's the case for most companies because they just don't have enough people, right? Because people are expensive yeah. and they take time to train. Yeah. 
And so that's what we saw. We are bringing these experts um, and super fans to respond. And um, the the sad thing is the answers to the questions already exist, but they've just been answered for another customer in the past. So our technology is pulling the previous answer to a previous question and serving it up to the chat this expert to send out. <laughs> that is so cool. It's just like the ultimate engineering dream where we're not doing double work. Why do we need to reinvent the wheel? Someone's already figured this out. The only problem is it's buried in your email somewhere. And yes. so I might need a I might need it for my own email so I can answer my own questions. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there actually is a yeah. is a feature in email. You've probably used a platform like Gmail. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll see these suggestions at the bottom of the screen, or if you're yeah. typing on your phone, you'll see these suggestions. Yeah. It's a very similar technology. We just built that for customer service. Oh, cool. Well, cool. Well, so imagine you're speaking to a company right now and you're a couple of leaders and they're like, man, we get customer service problems all over the place. Uh, we're not even measuring it well. What's the first step that you would advise them to take if they think they've got bad customer service? They're hearing a lot of complaints. Maybe they're getting terrible reviews out there. Uh, what do you recommend that they do first? Yeah, I think it comes down to team, tools, and process. So do they ever have the right team? You know, do they have a leader who has a focus on the customer experience and has empathy for customers and is analytical? And and you start there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then does that leader have, you know, a a team, like the right team size to support them? Of course, that's where chat desk can help because we we provide agents um, who can help respond to the messages. And then when you talk about tools, I mean, there are many tools out there for what you said, like measuring your quality. There mm-hmm. are tools for measuring your customer satisfaction, for measuring your net promoter score. And there are tools to help you respond better. Um, there are tools like Zendesk and Gorgeous, just depending on your industry. Uh, a lot of those tools have free free plans as well mm-hmm. um, that you can get started with. And then when we go into process, it's you have workflows, you have guidelines and scripts for the team to follow in different situations. Um, and that can help you get more efficient. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Funny story on NPS score. Uh, we provide a, uh, all the rising leader training for a large uh, computer company that a lot of people might know, but we got our first NPS score back and it was 83. And we were like, I was talking to my team. Amazing. Like, y'all, we, y'all, we got a B. We got a B minus. And they're like, oh my God. I was talking to Dell. Well, sorry. I was talking to the company and uh, I was like, y'all, sorry, we made 83. I don't know how this happened. And they're like, that's, that's awesome. That's one of the best we've had. And you're like, I was like, oh yeah, it runs negative 100 to positive <laughs> yeah. 100. But I'm thinking a lot of people probably fall into that trap. They don't really understand the metric. Yeah. And 83 MPS sounds bad. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think average MPS, at least in our industry, is maybe 40. So 83 is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I was, we, we were excited. We're like, okay, we were putting the champagne up for another day. Then we got it out after that. So yeah, we were yeah. excited about that. Want to boost your productivity and decision making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to binfanning.com slash insight. 
Um, so let's let's dig into another little area that I, that I was pretty excited to check out with you today. Uh, your advice for leaders who are under pressure to grow during an economic downturn. We, we don't know officially if we're in an economic downturn at this point, uh, but it sure does seem like it's heading that way in some some way. I think leaders probably could listen to some advice. And I know that you've done some thought leadership in that area. So so what's your best advice for leaders? Yeah. And I think we can even make it broader just to say in uncertain times, because, okay. you know, depending on when this is released, hopefully we're out of the downturn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, there, are right. always, there are always storms in every industry. Um that that can that can come against your company and then you have to figure out how to grow and the the thought leadership i shared is that it's actually an opportunity to to zoom ahead of your competitors or or alternatives in your industry because um when other people are are fearful um you know your tendency is also to be fearful and to cut back um and when you don't have the resources that makes sense. Like you should cut back because you want to survive. But if you actually do have the resources, then you can be smart about, okay, everyone else is pulling back. This is my chance to speed ahead. And there's a quote I might have shared from a famous race car driver called Artin Senna, uh, where he said, um, it's hard to pass 15 cars when it's sunny. But when mm. it's raining, you can pass 15 cars. Because if you think about it in common sense, everyone drives slow when it's raining because they're being cautious because the roads are a bit slippery. Um, But then if you have the right lane, you can drive past all those cars. So a good example to think about is advertising. In a downturn, most companies will cut back on marketing, cut back on advertising, which actually makes more advertising available, which makes it cheaper and your message can stand out. Yes, I love that quote. I actually saw it in an article. And I was going to ask you about it, so I'm glad that you mentioned it. And have you seen? And I've heard about the the Senna um, documentary, especially really it's good. amazing. Okay, it's you recommend it too? Senna. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, I haven't I haven't seen fascinating, it. fascinating personality. Yeah, yeah I heard he's uh, quite a character. Um, but it, I I do think you're on to something there, and it seems so counterintuitive, especially if you have shareholders. They're gonna. They could be looking at, hey, you need to be cutting back here. But if you really believe in the long-term vision of your company, and you believe in the mission, and I think sometimes leaders have to be reminded, hey, you believe in this, right? <laughs> if you really believe in it, then I think in, investing in those moments um, makes a lot more sense. But it's so easy to get caught in that mentality of scarcity. Hmm. So. Uh, Moving another step ahead, you also talked about navigating staffing challenges during this time. And your company obviously has got some solutions for that. But in the in the great resignation uh that's that's happened, what's your what's your advice for leaders in that space? Yeah, so the great resignation, you know, that's happening is a lot of people um quitting their jobs and looking for better opportunities. And there's lots of to unpack there. I think is, you know, people are leaving their jobs because of pay, because they feel like they're underpaid. So that's one of your first levers, if you can afford it, is for your top performers, for people you really want to retain, like pay up, you know, because <laughs> maybe they're right. Yeah. Maybe they should be paid more. 
And that's a great um, first step because people spread their resources like peanut butter across all employees, even the ones that maybe aren't really into their jobs, but focus on those top performers first. Yeah, that, ma- that makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah. So some people do deserve more pay and if they're better, then pay them more because the cost of losing that good employee is is worse than because you have to find someone else to replace them. Then, you know, that extra couple of dollars that it might take, you know, depending on the employee. Mm-hmm. So I think that's number one. I think number two is some people are leaving because of workplace, you know, the environment, the the complexity of the work or the difficulty of the work and really take a good look at, at can I improve that? Do I want to improve that? Is it possible to improve that um, so that you can retain mm-hmm. more people? Because otherwise you have a leaky bucket. Yeah, these people have left. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to hire more people to replace them. And those people mm-hmm. are going to leave too once they experience the environment that is kind of pushing people away. Um and then I think um, I think coming back to what Chatdesk does is that you know there's a new way to grow your team, not just with Chatdesk, but you know there's new solutions that give you flexible workforce. So I think the traditional way is I'm going to hire a team in house to do these tasks, and I think that is always preferred. That is always better. But if there are budget pressures, if there's high attrition like you have in the customer service industry, there are partners who offer flexible solutions. It could be like a fractional executive. I've seen programs like that, a fractional marketing person, or a fractional yeah. uh, sales team. Um, and, you know, you have to explore the solutions that are out there, but that could be a way to scale. That could be much more cost efficient and kind of shield you from what's happening in the market with the great resignation. Yeah, I like that. We've really seen the rise of the fractional, fractional, the fractional, <laughs> say this, the fractional uh, C-suite leader. You can mm-hmm. split their time, you know, across businesses, uh, businesses that can't necessarily afford a full CFO, but they need that kind of financial advice or, or guidance or, or or in the technology side. And I think a lot of sort of mid-sized companies that don't have a very robust team, it seems like they miss this a lot. Like this, this is something you can do. You can bring in executive talent that you can't always afford uh, if you can at least, you know, someone that's willing to split part of their time Um, so and and there's a and there's a benefit to that like with chat desk you know we work across so many different brands so we're bringing the best practices that we're seeing on one brand over to another brand oh yeah that's what you get when you work with a flexible workforce um who might be in you know in other opportunities at the same time so there's obviously pros and cons like when you have someone in-house they're fully dedicated to your work um, but if you bring in someone or a team or a consultant who can support you, then they're also bringing potentially those best practices from other engagements they have. Yeah, you're the, you become their chief customer service officer, or you know you're somebody inside your company, right? If that's a big, yeah, and that that's what we approach it. You know, we're helping companies drive conversions by responding to their messages. We're helping companies clear their ticket backlogs, but we really want to be a trusted advisor and companies do reach out to us and say, Hey, I'm thinking about putting reviews on my website. Like which platform do you recommend? You know, I've checked out platform A and platform B. What are your customers using? And we want to give them those answers and give them that guidance based on what we're seeing. So taking a left turn here, when's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, there's a project I worked on at Google, which was a payment system. And um, we launched a payment system in the Philippines and in Kenya. Um, and it was uh, secure. It was offline. It was fast. Uh, um, and customers loved it. Um, 
but ultimately um, it wasn't big enough for Google. Google deals in you know tens of millions or hundreds of millions mm. of users. Um, and so the project was shut down. So it doesn't exist anymore. So it's a failure in that way. And, you know, a lot of people worked on it. A lot of resources were put into it. We filed a couple of patents, um, but it was a failure. And uh, it took away a lot of things, but one of the positives was the customer service. So mm -hmm. we had a semi-automated customer service where people could send a text message to check their balance on the payment system or block their card. And customers love that part of the experience. And I said, like, why doesn't every company have this? And that's part of the seed for Chatdesk, oh, cool. enabling every company to, to have this like great customer experience over messaging, like text messaging. So having that moment of failure really planted the seed of possibility for how you could craft potentially a future solution. Correct. Or, or leverage technology in, a, in any way that hadn't been leveraged. Before. Yeah. Yeah. When I was thinking about this business, first, I thought about like, what problems do I care about in the world? As I mentioned, it's solving bad customer service and, and creating jobs. And I also made a list of what are some skills that I have that are unique in the world. There's very few other people have them. And one of them was uh, messaging because I had worked on messaging products at Google. Uh, another one was this payment system that we had built and the technology that we built to enable it, like the customer service aspect of the payment system. Um, so, you know, there were other things on the list as well, but, and then voice search and the Google assistant, the machine learning aspect. So combining all those was the, was the seed for this, for this business. Love stories like that. So what's a tool or gadget that's contributed to your success that listeners can go out and purchase? No, he has a look of, like how I have so many things. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying which to think one? Something, something interesting, something unique. I think um, LinkedIn. LinkedIn has a has a paid plan, a premium plan, um, and that allows you to do so much more. And you know, a large part of my business is connecting with with people, connecting with people to hire, connecting with investors, connecting with potential customers. And I just can't imagine how I would find all these people and research them and prepare for these meetings without a tool like LinkedIn and without like the paid version of LinkedIn so you can do so much more. So it is quite expensive. But yes. if you have a business that is dependent on reaching a lot of people, I think that's something that will apply to many to many people. Yeah, yeah I, I find that to be worth the investment as well. And it is, it's hard to imagine the world before LinkedIn. Now yeah. it's because it's the access to people and just knowledge or you might know one person at chat desk. You know, you it might is. know Aneto because you're the, you know, it's kind of out front there. But if you want to know other people in chat desk, just look on, look on LinkedIn because you can see who all the other people are. I mean, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you an really example, like in, in hiring real, our head of marketing, um, I messaged her through LinkedIn, right? And <laughs> oh, to get her like, to come or in yeah, yeah. Okay. And LinkedIn helped me understand her resume, helped me understand yeah. how senior she was. So I could know, okay, is she going to be the right type of person mm -hmm. for this? And it also allowed me to send her a message. So I wouldn't have found her without LinkedIn. Yeah. I wouldn't have understood her without LinkedIn and she wouldn't have come on board. So it's not just about bringing customers on board, but like I said, for growing your team, people do respond to those messages. If you see someone who has the profile that you need, to kind of complete your team, you can reach yep. out to them. I I really like that. I think we get so, I mean, nothing wrong with, you know, going the recruiter route 
and all that. But as a senior leader looking to really add a powerhouse position to your team, it makes such a difference. And I hear these stories a lot where a senior leader will just reach out to someone they think could be a good candidate on LinkedIn. And you get that one-on-one connection and you kind of skip over all of the vetting process and the, you know, and you can move so much more quickly. And I think it builds trust between you and your potential hire so much more quickly when someone in the company actually reaches out, that's the hiring leader. So, well, great. Well, let's wrap this up. And I what's your parting thought for listeners? Well, I think that um, so many brands underinvest in their customer service. They see it as a cost center. Um, and what yeah. we found is that it's a revenue driver mm. um, because, number one, you spend all this money acquiring customers. You spend money in marketing and advertising and social media ads. And then when they ask a question about the product that you're advertising, you don't answer it. Right. So that thing that's number one is you're spending so much money bringing people in, you should spend some effort or some money on, you know, converting those people who do come in. And I think the second is that you're going to make more revenue from existing customers. Typically, you spend a lot of effort acquiring them. So give them a good experience. So they stay with you so that they refer you so that they bring in other customers. That's the value. And so when we work with brands, we, we measure here's the revenue that customer service is driving. Here's our orders that they actually drove by answering these questions and serving the customer. So, of course, a platform like Chatdesk can do that and help you, but you can also just do that with your existing teams. You know, make someone the champion of the customer so that customers get answered when they end, they come in and that they stay with you. Great place to wrap up today. Thanks, Nato. Thanks so much. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.